Open your Bibles to Proverbs chapter number 3. Proverbs chapter number 3. I was just thinking last week, having gone through chapter number 2 in one setting, I thought to myself, uh, that was just way too fast. And uh, uh, so, you know, sometimes, sometimes it's good to just slow down, and sometimes you get slowed down. And that's kind of the way it is when we come to chapter number 3. And one of the difficulties is that uh, in trying to decide how fast to go or how far to go, uh, it's it's really difficult for preachers because, you know, sometimes you take off too big of a bite and it just doesn't work. And uh, so tonight, I'm as far as minutes and seconds go, I I don't know how long it'll take, but I do know how far we're going uh, because I don't want to get into the message for next week because I know that next week's message is going to take all of the time that I can give it and even more. But tonight we're going from verse 1 down through verse number 4. And while some of the chapters in Proverbs can be studied very quickly. This is not one of them uh, because there are seven things in this chapter that calls for our attention. I'm going to just mention these and uh, then, uh, then tonight we're going to look at the first one. But here in the first four verses, we see truth that will prolong your days. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Next week, Lord willing, we're going to talk about trust that will direct your ways. Beginning in verse number 9 down through verse 12, we're going to talk about terms that bring blessings. And then we're going to talk about treasures that's greater than gold. And then tranquility for the saints, teaching that creates unity, and tragedies that could be avoided. And so those are the seven things that we're going to look at. Some of them may overlap one with the other, but those are the seven things we're going to be considering as we go through Proverbs chapter 3. And tonight, we're talking about truth that will prolong your days. And there are two things, two things that stand out as we go through these verses. And the first has to do with with the requirements that God places upon us and then the results of following those promises. So we see the requirements and the results, or to put it another way, the precepts and the promises. So let's read beginning in verse 1. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Now, I want you to notice the requirements that are laid out here. In fact, there are actually three things or five things that he mentions here that's important. The first requirement, look at verse number one again, is to know the truth. My son, forget not my law. You remember in Hosea chapter 4 and verse number 6 where the Lord is addressing the children of Israel. He said, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Ignorance is a dangerous thing. Regardless of what you're doing in life, if you're you're ignorant about it, you're going to get in trouble. 
And uh, whether it's driving an automobile, whether it's running a business or whatever it is, and it most certainly gets us in trouble when it comes to our relationship with God. It puts us in grave danger. That, that's where we're at, you know, today. It's amazing. We think about oftentimes these interviews that, you know, the man on the street kind of interviews. I, uh, several of the radio uh, talk shows do this. They'll send a guy out on the street that will ask some question that everybody ought to know and uh, maybe to a college graduate or someone, and that person will stand there and scratch their head and, and admit they don't have a clue what, what they're talking about. And uh, so there's a lot of ignorance in America today in regards, to, in regards to our nation, but there's even more ignorance when it comes to this matter of spiritual things. And sometimes we wonder, how is it that some, uh, some cult... Or how is it that some religious denomination or maybe some particular megachurch, how is it that they can thrive? I mean, I'm not talking about just getting by, but thrive. And in the eyes of the world, you look at them and, and it seems to be a great success when reality is totally contrary to the Scriptures. Well, the answer is easy. They prey upon those that are ignorant of the Word of God. That's exactly how it happens. And I'll guarantee you, you, uh, I was writing an article the other day, and I haven't finished it yet, and uh, the title is going to be something to this effect, something like, So You Are a Church Member. Uh, And and then the the follow-up to that is, How Do You Know? Are You Sure? Really? You're a church member? I, I mean, let's face it, the average person, you go to the average Baptist church around here and interview the average church member, they don't have a clue how you tell if a church is really a scriptural church or not. In the article, I made one statement. I said just as a quick, a quick check on this, go to the pastor and ask him if the church has a heritage. And if he doesn't know what you're talking about, leave. <laughs> I'm wondering maybe I need to explain that. I hope not. If a church did not start out of another church, it's not a church if that makes any sense. But because of ignorance, you have these people joining so-called churches that are unscriptural and denominations that are totally uh, out of the will of God, all because of ignorance. It always gets us in trouble. Well, the only way to overcome ignorance is what? Well, with the truth, with the truth. And we, we, uh, we find the truth in God's Word and, uh, and a lot of times we know what the Bible teaches. We, we can say that we recognize it, but the problem is we don't remember it. Notice he says, forget not. In, in other words, there's been some teaching going on here. In, in other words, he's not telling him to, to, to go out here and find the information. He says, forget not. This is something that he, he ought to know. And, and a lot of times we don't remember what we've been taught, and we'll get to that down in, I think, verse number 3. We're going to talk a lot about that, our need to remember what God has said. Uh, but it, it, many times, even though we've heard what the truth is, we don't live in the light of what we know to be true deep in our heart. And... Uh, I mean, we're not any better off. In fact, we're worse off than if we didn't even know the truth. 
The Bible says, Unto whom much is given shall much be required. If we don't follow the truth that, that God has revealed to us, we are in a worse condition than somebody that never even heard it at all. And, 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 you know, that ought to frighten us to think that we turn a deaf ear to God and we fail to do what God commands. So the first requirement is know the truth. Now look at verse number 1 again. The second thing is to love the truth. He says, but let thine heart keep my commandments. So we move from the head to the heart now. And righteous living depends upon the attitude of the heart as well as the knowledge of the mind because it's one thing to know God's Word. It's another thing to love it. There are a lot of people who can stand up and they can quote scriptures and they know what the Bible teaches, but they have no love for it. If you go to Psalms chapter 1 and verse number 2, and you don't need to turn there, but it talks about the blessed man, and it says that his delight is in the law of the Lord. Now, that's interesting in itself because, you know, we would have all shouted glory if, it's, if he would have said that his delight is in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, right? Or his delight is in studying the prophecies, you know, the things that are to come. Or his delight is in the comfort that he derives from the Psalms or the wisdom that he gets from Proverbs. But he said law. His delight is in the law of God. Well, the law of God has to do with God's requirements, now think about that because most people resent God imposing those requirements upon us. Well, I mean, I, I haven't, I've heard a lot of people say, I love Psalms 23. Oh my, that has just helped me so much. Or, uh, you know, I love John chapter number 14 in the first three verses and that has been such a blessing to me. I, I don't know that I've ever had anyone to say, I love the Ten Commandments. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Oh, people don't love the Ten Commandments because it stifles what they want to do. You know, and they know deep in their heart they're guilty of it. But notice he says, let thine heart, your heart, keep his commandments. Paul said, for I delight in the law of God. And we need to stop and ask ourselves. Now, that's what the blessed man does, Right. And that's what Paul did. I delight in the law of God. And that's, that's what we ought to do. We need to ask ourselves, do I take great delight in God's law? Let's expand that. Do I take great delight in the Bible, in the Word of God? As most of you know, Psalms 119 is all about the Word of God. It's one of those wonderful chapters in all of the Bible. I want you to notice verse number 97 of this chapter, he says, Oh, how love I the law. It is my meditation all the day. And, and then he said in verse 140, Thy word is very pure, therefore thy servant loveth it. And, and the question is, do we really love the word of God? I mean, is it the thing that just thrills our heart? And the problem is people get all excited about everything in the world except the Bible. I, I, I just don't know how anybody could not love to study God's Word. I, I don't understand that for the life of me. It is the most precious thing in, in all of the world that God has given us uh, other than His Son, of course. And it's the Bible. Uh, 
that tells us about the living word. So we need to know the truth. We need to love the truth. But then the third thing is we need to obey the truth. Look at verse number 3. Let, uh, let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. There are a lot of people that know the law. They, in fact, they could quote the Ten Commandments. And there are a lot of people that claim that they love the Word of God, but there's no evidence they do. Why? Because our behavior betrays our beliefs. And, and uh, that, that's what James was talking about. He said, you show me, you know, your works by your faith and or your faith by your works, you know, and I'll show you my faith by my works. And so uh, if the evidence is not there, we can't expect anybody to believe that we really love the Word of God. If we spend more time, you know, reading uh, reading novels and watching TV and everything else uh, uh, other than the Bible, why well, it's pretty easy to figure out where our affections are. Uh, and, and notice here, he's talking about mercy and truth. And uh, mercy implies kindness. And uh, knowledge and kindness go hand in hand. And of all of the different things that he could have mentioned, it's important, and we're not going to elaborate on this, but it's important that he mentioned those two things, mercy and truth. And so we have to obey, put into practice what we, what we know, and if we really love it, we will. Now look at verse 3 again. The fourth thing is we need to display the truth. He says, bind them about thy neck. Now, every Jew understood exactly what this was all about. Whenever a Jew read this, the first thing they thought of was the Shema. Turn over to Deuteronomy chapter number 6. And this, the Shema was a prayer that the Jews prayed at least two times a day. And every night, you know, parents today, they'll... Uh, you know, they'll go in with the little kiddos before they go to sleep, and they'll pray, now lay me down to sleep, uh, you know. <laughs> well, this is what the Jews prayed every night to their children. Verse number 3, Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that ye may increase mightily, as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee, in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all of thine heart and with all of thy soul and with all of thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest in, by the way, when thou liest down, when thou risest up, and thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates. Now, let's go back to what he's talking about in our text tonight. Bind them about thy neck. Well, obviously he's talking about, uh, talking about the Word of God and mercy and truth as though it's an ornament. We put lace on clothing, mainly for the ladies, and, um, you know, we wear gold chains or 
the women wear it well. A lot of times men wear earrings nowadays. I, I, I still can't get used to that, but uh, anyway, I, that's, that's their business. I don't, but, uh, but we wear jewelry. Why? As, 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 a, as an adornment, right? One of the greatest messages, at least great in the sense of being a blessing to me, was listening to R.G. Lee many years ago, and he preached a message on uh, adorning the doctrines from Titus, chapter number 2, where it says that we are to adorn the doctrine of God. Think about that. That's like trying to add wet to water, heat to the sun, I mean, how do you do that? How do you how do you adorn? How do you beautify? You know, it's kind of like saying that we want to magnify the Lord. Well, you can't make God any bigger than what He really is. I mean, He's greater than anything that we can imagine or anything that we can explain. So, how do I magnify God? Well, it's not a matter of making God bigger and better. It's a matter of magnifying Him in the sight of those that do not see Him as he is magnify him in their sight so when we talk about uh, the ornaments of mercy and truth beautifying uh, the word of god we're talking about the impact the effect that it has upon people that we come in contact with and we need to think about mercy and truth as being something that enhances our christian testimony how can we expect anyone to believe us if, if mercy and truth is not uh, uh, apparent in our life, right? I mean, wh- why would they believe us? Talk about how much we love the Lord and so forth, and, and yet uh, there's no kindness to our fellow man. There's no devotion to God. And so we need to display the truth. We're not called to be like a monk in a monastery. That's why the Lord said you're the salt of the earth and you're the light of the world. Well, that means you've got to rub shoulders with people. You've got to be out here in public. And um, better than any makeup, better than any, uh, any kind of wardrobe, or better than any bling uh, or whatever else, uh, you want to really get somebody's attention, just put on display mercy and truth. That'll get their attention, and, uh, and those are the important things. Now, number five, the fifth thing, requirements, verse 3 again, and that is not only do we need to, to know the truth and love the truth and obey the truth and display the truth, but we need to remember the truth. And he says in verse number 3, Write them upon thine, the table of thine heart. Now, remember we just talked about putting the truth and mercy on display. And I read during the Shema, the prayer of the Jews there in Deuteronomy chapter number 6, and he's talking about binding them, you know, on their hand and as a frontlet before their eyes. They wore a phylactery, a little leather box that contained portions of the law. And, uh, you know, it would seem really strange to us today, uh, but it was a way of them publicly bearing testimony to the fact that they had dedicated themselves to the keeping of God's requirements. And so that was a public display of that. Now, he says, not only are we to have a public display as an ornament 
But notice, write them on the table of thine heart. Well, immediately when I read that, I think of Psalms 119 and verse number 11, where it says, Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. I don't know how many of you read uh, the morning manna this morning, but it had to do with the title, I think, was The Concealed Weapon. And, of course, carrying conceal is a big thing today, and that's fine. We live in a very dangerous world, and, you know, it's good to be able to protect yourself. But a lot of the same people that might carry concealed in order to protect themselves fail failed to have in their possession the number one most important weapon in all of the world, which is what? The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And, uh, and, and notice he's talking about here hiding the Word of God in our heart. Uh, whenever I wrote that article for Morning Man, uh, my mind went back to back whenever I was first saved and those of you that have been saved a number of years, you, you, you remember how it was. I mean, we put a lot of emphasis on daily Bible reading. In fact, we handed out daily Bible reading plans where people, you know, they could check it off. Yeah, I read through that today. And in one year, you've read through the whole Bible. And then we put a lot of emphasis on uh, memory verses. In fact, I can remember even in the adult classes, whenever I would hand out the curriculum, every, every lesson had down at the bottom a memory verse that related to the lesson of that day. And that was a common thing. Churches all over did that, trying to uh, instill in the hearts of people how important it is that we memorize the Word of God. We don't hear anything about that nowadays, do we? I mean, not unless you're in Awana, you know, and thank God for that, where they memorize sections of the Scriptures. And, you know, I'm sure a lot of times people think, oh, well, that's just a waste of time having those kids memorize those sections of Scripture. Don't you kid yourself. When you hide the Word of God in your heart, you mark it down, that's like planting a seed and you might not see the result of it, you know, in, in a few days or a few weeks. But eventually, eventually, God is going to nourish that seed. And eventually, it's going to produce a harvest. When we think about protecting ourselves against the evil one, when we think about surviving in this sinful world, I don't know of anything. And the, the article ended quoting one particular preacher where he felt of all of the Christian disciplines, the most important one was the memorization of God's Word. And uh, we can't go wrong, folks, when we memorize the Word of God. You'll remember when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, what did He do? He pulled out the sword of the Spirit, right? And He answered every temptation with the Word of God. And, and you and I need to memorize the Word of God. I, listen, I don't even really care all that much if you can tell me the chapter and the verse. That, that's, that's really not that important. But the truth of that verse, that's what's crucial. That during a time of temptation, whenever Satan is coming out against you, that and remember, the Bible's not some magic charm it's not a lucky rabbit's foot you know to get you out of a bad place or to bring you good luck whenever you go quoting the scripture you need to quote a scripture that 
that relates to the situation that you're in. I mean, if you're hungry and in need of food or, or whatever, uh, it's not going to do you any good to quote some scripture that relates to the two witnesses during the tribulation period. That doesn't have anything to do with what your need is, but it might help you a lot if you quote to yourself, Matthew 6:33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. All of these things shall be added to you. And, and a lot of you have heard me talk before right after I was saved and trying to break some really bad habits. And I'd get up and leave my desk. I was in civil engineering and be, you know, I'd be sitting there at my desk and I'm laying out some multi-million dollar project and working on that. And, and all of a sudden, I just like Satan grabbed me by the throat and I knew what was coming. And I headed off to the bathroom and locked the door and got in there and prayed and again and again. I said, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And I'm telling you the truth, there's power in God's Word, and we've forgotten about that. We need to, we need to memorize the Word of God. All right, those, those are the five requirements that set forth. Now, I want you to notice the results. So we're going to turn our attention now to the results, or maybe we'll call them the rewards of righteousness. Remember what Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, in verse number 6, he says, Contentment with godliness is great gain great gain remember the old song that we that we used to sing it pays to serve jesus we ought not serve god because it pays but we ought to remember that it does pay to serve jesus it really does in a lot of different ways now notice notice verse number two there's three things that that i want you to notice here's the first benefit the first reward is a prolonged life for length of days and long life. Length of days and long life. Uh, you know, I read that uh, this afternoon, and I thought about it before naturally, but I, just going over this, and I, I thought, you know, why, why, did he, why did he say length of days and long life? Why didn't he just say length of days or long life? Well, I, I think t- to me the best way for me to understand that is that he's going to multiply our days, but beyond that, he's going to increase our years. Multiply our days. Give us more days on the earth, and that results in an increase of the years that we live on earth. Look back across the page where we, where we were last week, verse 21 of chapter number 2. It says, For the upright shall dwell in the land, and the perfect shall remain in it. But, now notice, but the wicked shall be cut off from the earth, and the transgressors shall be rooted out of it. Now, were we to take a survey about whether or not we're interested in longevity, everybody would vote for it, right? Everybody wants to live longer. I mean, admit it. If you went to the doctor next week and he said, you've got two weeks to live, you wouldn't like that, would you? No, you want to live longer than that. But it's amazing to me that that uh, uh, one preacher friend today was talking about the joys of jogging. I almost, uh, I almost wrote something uh, mean spirited back, and uh, but I didn't because I had to admit, well, he's more disciplined than I am. But he he gets joy out of jogging, and that you know that's good. And I, they tell me it's good for you. I I, I can't uh, test to that, but they say it is. 
But, you know, we exercise. Well, they exercise. <laughs> we watch our diet, you know, and uh, we go to the doctor and get our checkups and all of these things that indicate an interest in, in our health in our longevity, and, and then turn around and do the very worst possible thing that we could do, and that's what? Disobey the Word of God. I, I think about what Paul said uh, to, you know, to the children, especially over in Ephesians chapter number 6. And, and, of course, this was the first commandment with promise, and he's talking to them about their responsibility to their parents. But, you know, beyond that, it had more to do with their attitude toward God and the requirements that God gave. And he said, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. You shouldn't need any other reason. You know, I, a lot of times we parents say, you know, look, if, you, if you'll just do what I say, I'll take you to the Dairy Queen tonight. Well, that might be a good motivation, but... But they ought to obey their parents because it's right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee. Notice, and thou mayest live long on the earth. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, I knew the meanest, the meanest man in town, and that dirty old rascal lived to be 90 years old, and one of the best people I ever met lived only to be 50 years old. So what about that, preacher? What about that? That doesn't seem to me like God kept his word. Well, here's what you need to remember. In the first place, God let that old mean man live be 90 years old because he's not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance, and God wanted him to be saved. That's number one. But number two, the fellow that died at 50 that was such a good godly man might have died at 30 had he not been. And if you want to argue with the promises of God, you help yourself, but you're fighting a losing battle. I'm telling you, if we, listen, if we, if we live in obedience to the Word of God, we're going to live longer. I don't know how much longer, but we're going to live longer. There is life in our obedience to the Word of God. And so here he mentions for the, for length of days and long life, but, but it, he doesn't stop there. Notice, Verse number 2, and peace, and peace shall they add to thee. So there's prolonged life and there's peace. What, what did Isaiah say about the wicked? There's no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. They don't know anything about peace. But the righteous have peace. Sometimes, I, you know, I think some people think that somebody just made up that song, we've got peace like a river. Let me tell you, that's straight out of the Bible. Uh, that's exactly what Isaiah said. The righteous have peace, and it's like a, a, a river. And, and isn't it a wonderful thing? I tell you what, I'd rather have peace than have silver and gold. I'd rather have peace than to be the most popular guy in town. And the wonderful thing about it is, whenever I know that I have obeyed the commandments of God, I can go home at night and put my head on the pillow and have peace in my heart and go to sleep with a good conscience. And that, that is worth far more than all of the material things in the world. So there's prolonged lives, there is peace, but then there's prosperity, and I'll add this, in the truest sense. Prosperity in the truest sense. Look in verse number 4. So shall thou find favor and good understanding. And notice this, in the sight of God and man. You know, when we talk about prosperity, it means different things to different people. 
For some people, you mention prosperity, and automatically they think about possessions, or they think about they think about the prosperity of power. They think about popularity, or maybe they think about uh, pleasure. But true prosperity is to be at peace with God and man, and it's far more valuable than anything else. Look back to last week, chapter 2, verse number 9. Then shalt thou understand righteousness and judgment and equity, yea, and every good path. Then shalt thou understand righteousness and judgment and equity, and we mentioned those three things last week, yea, and every good path. You know, so many times when we, when we talk about how we ought to live, there's some poor people that are stuck on Plato or Socrates. You know, they look at the philosophers of this world or the uh, back to someone in the age of so-called enlightenment, uh, the, the free thinkers and the great minds and the inventors and what have you, and they look to people like that as a source of guidance for their life. And let me tell you, you're missing the mark. You missed the boat. Because right here in my hand is the only one sure guide that we've got. And it it puts certain requirements upon us. But I'm telling you, the reward is, well, it's out of this world. Amen? It really is. Next week, and you'll notice we've mentioned the word path a time or two. And next week, we're going to talk about two of my favorite verses in in all of the Bible, I've signed these these verses to more cards and Bibles and things of that nature than any verses in the Bible, and uh, and there's a lot might be a lot more to it than you think. So I hope that you'll be with us. And remember, it really does pay to serve Jesus. You never go wrong whenever you're going right, and the Bible tells us how how to go right, what path to take. Let's stand together.